0: Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me, as always, is Brian Gottlieb. We have a new core set, and we also have a very special guest today. It's been a while since we've done a guest episode, and we are joined by Adam YoMan Five Hernandez. What's going on, buddy?
1: It's been a fun couple of days. I've been back into Magic for the first time in a little bit. Like I took a week or two off of just chilling. Obviously, still doing my content, but it's been very fun to get back in and get excited again. And I got to say, as somebody who listens to most podcasts at 1.5 to 2x speed, it's going to take me a little bit of getting used to you guys at 1x.
0: (laughs) I I mean, I could try and talk faster if you want me to. (laughs) No, you're good.
2: We've talked enough in person, though, that you should know our natural cadences by now. But I I do understand you've probably had more of us in your ear as a uh, digital version than actual conversations with us. Yeah, you guys put out a lot of content. It is true. I was thinking about that today. We've been at this together for like three years now, or something, Gerald. It's kind of insane.
1: Uh, episode one
0: ninety two, whatever that episodes. means.
2: A lot of episodes.
0: So, Adam, for those who don't know you, feel free to explain who you are. However, you feel comfortable describing yourself and like you know what you're doing here.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm Adam Hernandez. I go by YoMan Five on a lot of platforms. A lot of games. I've Mostly known as a metagame analyst, if you've heard of my weekly columns over at tcgplayer.com, or a lot of people know me, especially around this time of year, for my deck building. I put out a ton of decks, all mostly thanks to Brian here, who, I don't remember how many sets ago, challenged, like put out a generic challenge to do 50 decks every set. Right? For, I think it was even for just the one set, and I've just been doing it since, and people follow that every single set, and that's been a lot of fun. And I'm also occasionally pretty good at the game. I have I have one GP top 8 to my name, one, one PT that I did not do nearly as well as I did at the GP. But yeah, most people know me for my deck building and my articles. Dude, we
0: played the worst deck ever at that Pro Tour.
1: Oh, I can't believe we both let each other do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, you top 8 the GP with Golgari, so it made sense to just kind of run it back for that PT, right?
1: Uh, except we put, like, blue in the deck and it was worse. Yes, yes.
0: I mean, I think that's how a lot of players first pro tours go. And it's it's nice that I guess your experience was not really any different, but like how, how many GPs have you played? And as far as pro tour aspirations go, is is that still something that's on your mind? Is that still something you're striving for?
1: Yeah, not as hardcore lately, but I definitely still want to get back on the, the circuit at some point. It, it doesn't help that it keeps changing. And a lot of, where I was like, I saw the partial season, I'm like, all right, after the partial season's over, I'm going to go hard on like the second half of the year and try and get back into the swing of things. And a lot of things changed with like COVID, with even just before that of, they shifted a lot of the the pro circuit setups. So it'll be interesting trying to dive back in probably, like I'm not going to like go away from Magic and I'll probably still be playing a lot of these online tournaments because that's where I've honestly had a lot of my, my success outside of that. That GP top eight, but I've not actually played too many uh, GPs. I'm actually going to pull it up here on MTG, the project, because I think it's not actually that many.
0: Well, you don't travel a ton and you live in Michigan, so there's not a lot of stuff that's like super close to you. So yeah, I would not have expected you to play, I don't know, more than 10, more than 15.
1: Yeah, because until very recently, I actually didn't have like paid vacation time, so it was it was one of those things where it was just like if I could drive it, cool. If I had to fly it, like that was expensive. So it looks like I've played five, five total GPS in a PT.
0: I mean that that's a good conversion rate.
1: Yeah, no, it's actually like my my elo is actually pretty up there because I've like I, I bombed the first one I did, and then like actually did it was like what 4 eleven four four four, and then the thirteen three top eight. Not okay, sad. this
0: game. Yeah. So uh, how how do you see yourself now? Certainly when uh, around that GP, like you had maybe started making content or like started making content shortly thereafter. And now it seems, especially with COVID and organized play, just kind of being in upheaval and everything. And you're not playing a bunch. Do you feel like you are more of a content creator now or still view yourself as a player?
1: Somewhere in between. I think, like, I I know my play is not new. Like, the that GP was the best I have ever been at Magic, and I have not put in the same level of focus and time and practice as I have since. I still am definitely a competitor. I enjoy playing tournaments, and I've played a couple of them in... I haven't played Moto in a while, but I've played a couple of the arena tournaments. Uh, the Mythic Society actually played one of those. Set Roulette was kind of fun. But I'm definitely, I think, like, primarily right now, almost like a, a columnist. I haven't, I stream on and off at the moment because I don't have any big reason to do so right now.
0: Okay. But you did participate in the streamer showcase, which is kind of why we wanted to have you on the show, is because you spent basically the entirety of a day playing with M21 before anyone else. And we just kind of wanted to get thoughts from someone who actually played a bunch. So. Going into it, what what did you think of the set? I mean, I, I know that you weren't playing a lot before, but now you said that you're kind of like reinvigorated. Is it because of this set basically? Is there something else?
1: Uh, I always pick back up harder on Magic whenever there's a new set. Brand, brand new Magic. I know Brian feels very similarly of just like, whenever there's a new set, it, it almost doesn't matter what's in it because you get the new, you get a new playground. You get a new set of Legos to add to your, to your mix and just have at it. But I do think, like, even before playing the event, like, looking at the, the full preview when that came out, astonishingly early, actually, there was a lot of good stuff in there. It was pretty powerful, but nothing that, like, made you go, oh, God, what, why are we doing this? There was no Veil of Summer. There was no Wilderness Reclamation. There was no Fires of Invention type stuff. Like, there was Ugin and Ugin's, its own pile of worms, but nothing, like, particularly egregious. And it was, like, good removal, good interaction, like, crash through, I was excited to play with it.
2: It it felt like what a strong magic set used to look like. Like five years ago, if you saw this set, your mind would be blown. And now coming on the heels of some of the most broken magic sets of all time, it feels like a dramatic step back. But still, when you strip away all the nonsense we've put up with for the recent period and you get into this set, there's a lot of meat on the bone for sure.
1: Yeah, I'll... I did my 50 deck challenge and almost all of it this time was standard. I think it was like 45 standard and then like three pioneer and two historic or something like that. Yeah. It it looks like it's very good for standard.
0: Well, after playing for X amount of hours, like how, how many hours did you play actually? Just to see, I
1: streamed six and then got off, had like dinner and then played probably another four off stream. For okay. the, the early access event. And then today, basically, since it went live, I played a whole bunch and streamed another chunk today.
0: Yeah. See, that's that's why you're here, man. You you are way ahead of both Brian and I. I think you've played more than us combined very easily. So what, what were the goals going into the event? I mean, you do the, the 50 deck challenge and everything. Like you said, that is kind of what you're known for at this point. So when you're going into a thing like this where you know, you're 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 streaming, it's a sponsored thing. Obviously you want to make it like fun and exciting for your viewers, but also you're trying to learn stuff for yourself for maybe future events or whatever. So like how do you how do you balance that and like what were you focused on? Were you trying to break it or just try out new cards or what?
1: A little of all of it, like less focused on breaking it, especially because even if you did break it, it's often very hard to tell in those like best of one environments where everyone's also playing a whole bunch of new, untested stuff. A lot of it's nonsense for the sake of entertainment, which I'm not shaming anybody for. I definitely played some of, like, the... I had, like, a five-color shrine enigmatic incarnation deck I played. Hell yeah. Like, Ugin makes that deck unplayable, by the way.
0: What about... What about the, like, Great Henge and all the X casting cost things? you revisit that?
1: Oh, I did not actually go back <laughs> and do that deck. Also, a deck I don't... I'm not excited to play into Ugin, but maybe Stonecoil Surfer makes it okay. But mostly, I was just, like... I want to put a whole bunch of new cards in my hands, play through some of the the play patterns for some of the stuff of just like, does this counters deck feel real? Do the play patterns feel interesting? And because, again, because it's best of one and some of it's not very interactive. A lot of it is basically like what feels too weak, even if they're not doing anything to stop me, what feels really good. Even if you run into a person or two who's still playing wilderness reclamation for whatever reason, it's like, seeing if the pieces fit together as good as they look on paper. So one of
0: the things that I struggle with is to explain to people exactly what feel means because I go off of feel a lot in order to determine what I think is correct. How how would you explain like that concept or I don't know, just like that that feeling, I
1: guess. A lot of it is I'm trying trying to find good words without using feel again. That's the hard part of this. No, I know. Yeah,
0: me too. Me too. I couldn't even ask you the question without saying it.
1: You're looking for a lot of things that are like groan tests, where if your opponent presented it to you or you put it down and you're like, wow, on the other side of the battlefield, this would feel terrible. That is one of like the easy ones. And some of the other ones of just looking for, was it easy to assemble the, the machine that the deck is built to put together, right? Do the synergies go well or after putting it together on paper, does it just play out? Like I have a two drop and a three drop and a four drop. And they don't actually feel like they build this giant machine. They just kind of look good together.
2: That's the one that I think is, is key. Yo man, I think when, like you have this envisioned mode of operation for your deck when you are a deck builder. Like that's what the entire process is. As you are actually not just envisioning, oh, this card is nice with this card. This is nice with this card. You've sculpted out the optimal thing this deck will do when everything comes together. And you wouldn't waste your time with it unless you said, yes, this optimal mode has a chance against a large percentage of strategies. So now a lot of this is saying, do I actually hit this optimal mode or is it a bit of a pipe dream?
1: Well, and some of it's that consistency and some of it is just, oh, this looks really good together. And then you've realized that your machine is built out of like, sure, you have like, it looks like a good curve, but then you like try to play it in order and it kind of either falls apart or it just looks like a limited deck. But describing feel is definitely a really hard thing to do. I as as, like, I'm actively trying to avoid the word in like every third sentence.
0: Yeah, I I mean I've been doing this for like 20 years or whatever and I still can't really describe my process or how I know when something is right or worth pursuing or whatever, you know, it's just like I I really I can't tell you, you know, like I I've just put in the reps to the point where my intuition and my subconscious gets it.
1: Yeah. And and one of the things to look for right now and like I don't know if I'm skipping ahead of things, but is you take some of the stuff that looks strong from the streamer showcase or that like you didn't see anybody else try out yet, or even just updating stuff from the previous set, and when you play against somebody else who's also trying to beat you on the ladder in three games, look for the stuff that, the holes in the decks, when somebody goes, all right, what if I just interact with that piece? Only that piece, right? Like, they take out the capstone, and they counter your Ugin, they remove your conclave mentor and you can't do plus one plus one counter things anymore and your deck looks kind of silly and it's looking for either shoring that stuff up or is there no way to do that and that's where a lot of the feel comes in
0: i i think in previous standard formats that would have been a little too ethereal because there would be more interaction happening on both sides but in this format it, it like most of the decks are just like okay i have four to six pieces of interaction. So chances are they probably are only going to be able to interact with one key piece out of your deck, right?
1: Right. and know that's where a lot of the, the play skill is right now, even when people, the, the format has looked a little boring for a lot of the player base, but for the top, like, not even want to phrase it like that, but the gameplay at the high levels is actually really interesting because there's so little interaction that a lot of those decisions matter a ton. Or even just having one more piece of interaction than your opponent in your deck is is a big deal.
0: Yeah, normally it's like, well, I can lightning bolt or Doomblade this creature and I'll draw another piece of removal at some point. But now it's like, well, I have this one Aether Gust. And when is the next time that I'm actually going to have something that does the same thing that this card does? You know, it's like you have to pick and choose your spots a lot more carefully now.
1: Yeah, actually, Jean Emmanuel Dupra had a really good, just like, typed out some stuff in a Google doc and put it up on Twitter about why he didn't play a shark typhoon in the main deck and put it in the sideboard. I highly recommend going through and reading that because he goes over a lot of the, what he calls it, the difference between like good and good. And it sounds really silly and you read through it all. (laughs) It's actually a very well-written piece.
0: Okay. I have not seen that. So I will check it out. I've been very, very offline in like the last week or so.
1: It's, it's very up your alley
0: so you you did your 50 deck challenge you had about 45 standard decks which ones did you choose to play for the event and i guess like what was the rationale behind them too because obviously you had a lot of decks to choose from and not even your own stuff but i'm sure you're kind of paying attention to what everyone else is putting out there too so what did you play
1: uh, I actually played a lot. Like I think I imported 10 or 12 decks over the course of the day. I played some of the like, mono-white aggro just to see, like is, is that deck good now that we don't have to play heraldic Banner? How do you like selfless savior and all of that hold it up? I played some of the Grimoid Adventures deck because I liked that deck the first time I made it, and this time they got Glorious Anthem, and March of the Multitudes doesn't feel terrible. I played some of the counters deck because Hardened Scales, always got to look at it now after somebody proved that it was a real card however many years ago at this point. Uh, I had to play some of the meme decks. People really wanted to see shrines, played some ramp, and played a whole bunch, played Mono Black Control, and I don't think that is the kind of magic we're allowed to play anymore, but God, was it fun.
0: (laughs) So uh, a lot of aggro decks, Uh, is that normally where you would start just trying to find like what the actual litmus test is for a format, or was it just context based on the cards that were in the set?
1: I think it's a lot of M21 gave us a lot of good cheap cards where like that has been a hole in a lot of decks where you had like Pelt Collector as like your only one drop or some of the Mono White decks were like really stretching for one drops. And so it was more just like we got some good cheap cards, good cheap engines like the the Conclave Mentor, Glorious Anthem. A lot of these things just kind of lend themselves to cheaper cards.
0: Well, granted it was... Uh, best of one, so that's likely going to skew things in Aggro's favor, no matter what side you're on. But how how did it feel? Or like, what was what was the best looking Aggro deck to you?
1: The monocolor stuff looked the best. Uh, mono black, mono green, mono white. All three of them just got like really good upgrades. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody plus a Garruk on a surferon, but it's really good.
0: Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it, but I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The the Adventures decks were actually like really good against the other aggro decks, but they like U- Ugin is such a problem for a lot of those decks that are trying to go long on the battlefield. Yeah,
0: I mean Ugin is just the definitive top end at this point, right? It's like you can turn five it with Nissa or turn six it just off. You can turn four it. normal
1: turn four. What, you what can are turn you doing? three Nissa.
0: Oh, if you're like going super hard with like razor and stuff, right?
1: Right, if, if you're either going the hard way with Grazer or if you're playing Azusa.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, Azusa, I wasn't, land, I wasn't land, going that deep. Land, land. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote about ramp this week and I was trying to ramp with decent magic cards, not bad ones. Which, <laughs> which could be which could be wrong, you know, like, you know, Grazer is obviously super powerful. I don't know whether or not you could convince me to play Azusa, but who knows?
2: We just did a whole podcast, Gerald, on the death of good magic cards. So I wouldn't know yeah. about those bad magic cards.
0: I know I, I'm always going to end up coming back to Grazer. I think,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, th- Grazer I, think I just know that about myself. Grazer has actually been really good. Azusa, not so much, mostly just because we don't have enough good land to like make up for the fact that like, once your deck is half land and you have Azusa, you play Azusa and then you're like empty handed and you're basically like, oh, I hope I draw Hydro Crisis. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was trying to build my
0: deck around, you know, just like Spiral, Cultivates, Solemn, and then have Maze, Mind and Tome. And just be like a little bit slower, but if the format does end up having a lot of good aggro decks, then you probably need grazer both to block and to skip you ahead that extra turn and everything, and maybe the deck just has to be built differently.
1: Yeah, actually, the the ramp deck I liked the best so far of what I've what I've played from. And I don't know. Obviously, the builds of a lot of my opponents, but the I played blue green with Grazer and Cultivate, and actually using Paradise Druid and Wolf Willow Haven instead of Uro and Spiral because it let me play fewer lands, and that gave me a thicker deck to play with. Which is something I think is a little underexplored because everyone's so set on how good Uro is, but Cultivate is really good, and when you are playing Grazer and Cultivate and some of the the mana creating permanents that aren't lands, you get a little more space and you get to be a bit heavier, which I think some of the decks struggled with against some of things like flash and small Ugin has been fairly impressive.
0: Yeah, that was, that was one of the cards where I was just like, this is playable, but I don't know. I had all the Uros and spirals in my deck. So I had 27 lands and played a couple copies of Solemn and didn't have a whole lot of room for threat density. And Usually that's fine if people aren't interacting all that much. But yeah, I mean, if if people are playing Flash and they just have like 12 counterspells in their deck, or if the format slows down and it actually becomes about spot removal, then being more threat decks is certainly going to be relevant.
1: Also getting to play with four Mobilized Districts in my ramp deck has actually been really nice.
0: Yeah, I just had some Blast Zones, but I looked at like Cryptic Caves and Radiant Fountain and Mobilized District too. Uh, what about Mono Black? Because that was another deck I wrote about. Which what, what's what did your deck look like?
1: Uh, I didn't actually play as Mono Black. I wrote, because I had seen your list, and when I tried to build a list, it basically looked exactly like yours. So I just skipped it for now. Either either we're geniuses or idiots. <laughs> yeah, like for for the most part, it's it's looked solid. Like it, I don't think it's I don't know if it's oppressive. Like it's not oppressive. I don't know if it's tier one or not. Like Demonic Embrace has been fine, but. It's not something I'm excited to see in the deck if that makes sense. And part of the part of the struggle with it I think is like it, it's a very good base level deck, but I don't think there's a whole lot to improve it and I think it's not beating up the other decks enough for me to think that it's like top tier. Like it'll probably be what it was last set around like hanging like tier 2 and like you're not embarrassed to show up with it, but it's not anyone's first choice.
0: Sure. Embrace does seem like a matchup dependent card to me. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's correct to start them in smaller numbers and like sideboard additional copies or just sideboard them entirely. I don't know. Brian, what about you? Was there anything that you liked going into it that you want to get Adam's opinion on?
2: I just think I want to know more about how you see all this sweet stuff that permeated the streamer showcase actually interacting with the decks that matter in the format, because We've just done this so many times at this point, right? Like we know the trick. We know that the Streamer Showcase is just miles from what the format actually ends up being about. And going into this particular launch, there are very, very hard constraints in this format, particularly Teamer Reclamation. Cat Oven is another one. I I just think these things continue to eat up a lot of air in the room when it comes to potential deck building strategies was there anything that kind of fell outside the grasp of those really, really oppressive elements we have in the format right now?
1: Are you asking like, is there anything that I like saw that was sweet, but doesn't cut it? Or what
2: do I think will actually br- make it? What Did you see anything that does cut it basically? Is there anything that can actually hang around with something as powerful and as streamlined as Teamer Reclamation say? Because I, I will tell you from my experience, nothing actually impressed me like it impresses me in the moment and then i'm like well there's these other decks lurking around in the background And when there's actual stakes these are the decks that are people are going to pick up and probably win with
1: Ah, uh, feather looked really impressive i don't know if that card that deck can beat ugin without like some serious sideboard dedication but primal might is a heck of a card for that deck
2: See, that's that's another card that, while I get it in principle, and I understand why it's such a big get for Feather, when we come around to Team Reclamation has been the authoritative best deck through the end of this last run of standard. What is Feather doing in that matchup? Like you play a bunch of disenchants in your deck, but are you actually getting anywhere as far as matchup percentage goes when that's your plan?
1: Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm actually not that worried about that matchup. Like you you're already playing God's willing and fight is one, so you're and you're going to get that 10th District Legionnaire out of control pretty quickly. And the Seasoned Hollow Blade. I think that is actually a really big get. And you still have the... I think it's Light of Hope. It's the plus like plus one, plus one counter gain for Disenchant split card. For one mana. That you can use with like Arcanist. So it's the same stuff that we did basically back in uh, Nexus Standard. Where... I'm actually not worried about Feathers matchup against that deck. Fe- Feathers matchup against Ugin and Colorless Elemental three threes that you can't God's Willing past is actually the the more scary one.
2: Okay, so you see other weaknesses for that deck, but not necessarily in the Reclamations here. I could see that. It, it, I did forget about the uh, the Arcanist control of Wilderness Reclamation. That's a nice little trick. Yep. Especially
1: because the the one we get now is even better than a race because it has a mode that targets a creature you control. Yep.
0: I mean, no matter what, it seems like if Ugin is good against things that are not Wilderness Reclamation and there's enough things that are putting pressure on Wilderness Wreck, at least then we have rock, paper, scissors. Right. Which it we didn't some we, churn. Yeah, we didn't really have that before.
1: Yeah, the one the one deck I actually didn't see like any of, either in the early access event or today, is Jumpsack. And I want to see how that lines up against some of the new stuff.
0: Do you think that Jund is mostly just better than Rakdos?
1: Uh, I would have pre-M21. What one of the, yeah. the decks I did mess with a little bit was a, a red black sack deck that just basically played four village rates and four uh light at the stage, which had a whole bunch of draw spells and just all like one drops that died for damage and cats.
0: Yeah, see that's the type of strat that I think just gets brickwalled by Ugin. Like I I, I think that you would prefer to just put pressure on people.
1: It's possible. It, it's basically like you, you can't not have one of those draw to use just because the rest of your deck is so underpowered. So I'm i am not sure. But like the big thing is I think if people go to Ugin, it might actually weirdly be better to play the Fiend Artisan versions because those are so consistent at basically getting Mayhem Devil or Mayhem Devil plus Mayhem Devil on the field and just killing them from whatever life total they're at. Versus like trying to do Citadel things where I think you might be a little bit too slow to assemble.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about. It's like, I don't really want to be messing around with trailer crumbs in an Ugin format. I would rather just be attacking with serrated scorpions, but I guess like the, the village rights one, if you have a game plan that's robust enough, like with all the draw twos, maybe you can actually live through an Ugin sweep. And if you have enough reach, you can burn them out. But, and the oven if, always survives. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least in game one, I would imagine that they're gonna bring in, you know, something to deal with it. My my list had like lantern, scavenging ooze, and wilt in some numbers. So,
1: yeah, ooze is the like the big deal.
0: Yeah, but yeah, maybe maybe you can get swept and then still have a bunch of cards and then just try and like burn them out even through Ugin. But that seems tough if they're playing a bunch of like maze mind tomes and Uros and stuff.
1: Yeah, there was actually not a ton of Maze Mind Tomes, except for I saw one person playing it in a blue eye control list that just really didn't need it. Like they're playing fl- Frantic Inventory and Maze Mind Tome.
0: Yeah, too much. I mean, I if if you're not playing like Urian and Omen of the Sea, maybe that's fine, but it's still a lot. So, what did you play against that surprised you? Like you, you're doing this fifty deck challenge, obviously you're going pretty deep, like trying to figure out. All the combinations of cards that people can play with. Did anyone have anything that you were just like, oh, I didn't actually think of that?
1: Oh yeah, somebody infinite comboed me that I like didn't realize you could do, which was it's admittedly a ton of pieces, but you can get all of it with Fiend Artisan. So you have Woke Start your sack outlet, Cruel Celebrant for both the actual damage to kill them and life game triggers, and Heliod and Basri's Lieutenant, which is the four-drop. That puts a counter on something, and then when something with a counter on it dies, makes a 2-2 knight token. And so you sac something, tr- trigger Cruel Celebrant and the lieutenant, but you get the knight token before you gain the life. And then Heliod puts the counter on the knight, and then you do it all again.
0: So presumably deck was like sort of recto sack, sort of aggro Heliod, and just had the It was, empty it was basically combo. Orzhov,
1: because it's just Fiend Artisan, Cruel Celebrant, they had the selfless savior so they could try and protect pieces of the combo i don't know if they had mothra or not but i, I assume it's in the deck
0: yeah but just as, as far as like how the deck plays out
1: yeah it was like basically like orzov lurus but it had some more expensive cards in it to go tutor up to kill you okay do you, do you think that that is good or was that no. just like a it was just a- sweet and like it's like i didn't even catch that and i i usually like to try and find all of the like complete nonsense where it's like all right here's how we can kill people with vanifar now i mean to be fair it's a lot of cards oh yeah they had to spend five mana to tutor it before drop so so
0: what else uh as far as like things that you played against like
1: actually how
0: many times did you play against team wreck during the showcase
1: uh twice i think wasn't too bad i played against underworld dreams the draw half your deck card combo way too many times okay
2: That seems like it would be very popular on day one of the streamer showcase.
1: Oh, yeah. It
0: it was just all over the place.
2: Yep.
0: So what, what were the other things that people were doing?
1: A lot of counters. I saw watching back the VOD of Bloody's stream. Somebody had a dope looking mono blue list with Teferi and using sublime epiphany to either counter and copy stuff or like go off and draw and copy Corridor Monitor to keep untapping the Lotus. Actually, That's somebody eight. another one I didn't catch was somebody was playing Command the Dreadhorde OTK with the new dragon, the 5-drop, that whenever another creature enters the battlefield deals damage equal to its power to any target. Ooh, I like that. It's probably not good, but I like it. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That card is actually, I think it's better than people think it is. It's pretty reasonable and it kills people very quickly, especially if you play it with Kroxa.
0: Yeah, so it's it's good, right, but does it actually fit into the format? Like, mid-range, I, I kind of look at it like a, a gruel card, but sure, Rakdos card is also fine. In a format with Team Erek, doesn't seem like the best place to be.
1: If it didn't get hit by Aether Gust, it would be so much better than it is. Right. Like, it can even get hit by Teferi, and that would be fine, in ECD, but if it didn't also get Gusted... Well, given,
0: given all that, what do you think is actually good? Like if, if you wanted to ladder and make a run at Mythic or play in a PTQ and all the other different online tournament series, what would you be doing?
1: Ramp is like my current frontrunner. That's the one I want to keep tuning on. Stompy has been reasonable, but I think that's mostly just beating up people who aren't quite there yet. I've heard Team Arec on High Ladder is still very, very popular and for a very good reason. I think some form of Sack is probably still tiered. I don't know which version just yet. And Feather is my, like, outside called shot. And obviously Bant is is, is still a deck.
0: Right. So with the ramp decks, what is your plan against Team Arec?
1: What is the plan against Team Arec? Honestly, just, like, the the pair of Ugins has been so hard to for them to deal with. Because they don't actually, even after Sideboard, run that many hard counters. And... Okay. People need to play more negates.
0: Like everyone is is so caught up in like mystical dispute, and it's like yeah, the card is fine, but there are there are other problems. You know, negate does what dispute does, just a little less inefficient early.
1: Yeah, the other thing is if if you're playing team erect and your opponent plays cultivate, just counter it. I promise.
0: Yeah, why, why, why would you it, not? Why would you not counter it?
1: it? It sets it sets the ramp player so far back. It's it's, it's divination that puts a land in play. Counter it. Or are, are people actually not countering it? I, I mean, I'm only in, like, mid-plat right now because, I, I, like I said, I didn't play for a bit, so I got to, like, actually get back up to Mythic, but...
0: oh, dude, you don't have to justify me, and I'm probably in bronze, so...
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident I am presently in bronze. <laughs> you have to love spending 25 years gaining some mastery over a game, and then you take two months off and you have to <laughs> go all the way back to the bottom and prove yourself again. Enjoy that six-hour climb through just completely meaningless matches.
0: It's not even like I took time off, man. I'm I'm like, you know, playing some Magic Online, some arena. I'm certainly paying attention to Magic. Like, why why you gotta uh have me decay so far? I don't understand.
2: It's a lot of decay. Also, as as far as complaints go, it's it's really frustrating. There's just not a tournament this weekend. Like this is the most exciting time possible for magic. I, I want to see someone take a shot and just set the world on fire the way fandom legends used to really set the stage at every release. We had yeah, day of star release city. tournaments.
1: Please. Well, I'm begging look, you. I, literally I don't up have MTG any influence melee. there. So I, I literally opened up MTG melee today, went to click on star city and was halfway through signing up for the 5. PM event until I realized I was signing up for Mondays.
2: I am going to pass on some information for you, yo man, I will let the good folks at Star City know that it seems like this would be a sweet weekend for a tournament because I want this, I want this format to start doing its thing. I want to see if some of my hypotheses are right. And it's just not going to happen through ladder play. There's no way to really get any kind of consensus about what's truly going on. Uh, the CFB is running on this weekend though, I believe, right? They have the CFB pro showdown. That sounds correct, yeah. It is only I for store credit. It's not like,
1: like a that. cash event, but it'll have coverage.
2: I'm probably playing it. Shoot me a DM when you're a feature match, and I'll, and I'll check in on it. That's the best
1: thing I can <laughs> but, but that's it? That's all you're going to do? That's all That's all I got. But yeah, I, I miss fandom.
2: Right there with you, sir, for, for several reasons.
1: Brian, just, just start your own fandom. one tournaments. Yeah, I would poke, poke some people in the, the industry and be like, hey. Can you front $2,000 so I can just host this like 16-player streamer event?
2: I think it was way more than that. I think it was like a 5K every single time. Which, when I say that out loud, I kind of understand why it doesn't exist anymore. Because it's really hard to see how that can pay for itself.
0: Yeah, I feel like we could do like three of those and then be broke. You know? Right, that would be um, the end
2: of Arena Decklist.
0: But hey man, if you if you want to, you know, get some sponsors and basically just do like hundreds of hours of legwork in order to get this off the ground, sure, I'm in.
1: <laughs> I'll let you know.
0: Yeah. I I have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, so this is all on you, Brian.
2: Oh, this is so far past what I'm capable of at the present moment. Now, if we rewound the clock, say 8 to 10 months ago when the world was whole and I was super motivated, then possibly <laughs> we would have this tournament series already set up, but as yeah, it stands right now, I don't know, man,
0: we didn't, we need, we didn't need it then though. Cause you know, the world was whole,
2: right? That's so. true. That's true. You never know what you're going to need in the future.
0: Dude, we, we should have uh, just been looking forward, you know?
2: Yeah. One thing I do in, in
1: the same vein though, of complete wild west tournaments, I really want, and if anybody listening has like the means to actually pull this off, let me know. I will help you out. I want to, like the last week before the set rotates, I want to run no band standard.
0: Okay. So that's, that's cool from like a, that gets my brain gears turning. You know, it's, it is interesting for me to think about what is ostensibly like a new format. How much interest do you actually think there would be in something like that? It's like, it's just like reliving all of your
1: nightmares. I don't know. We played no band modern. That was a real event that got run multiple times.
0: Yeah I I mean people did do that, but notice how it didn't catch on.
2: Yeah, I, I think you can do all of these things once. So like yeah, you're not you're that's not that's talking funny. about doing it forever, you're talking about doing it once. And I think that's totally reasonable. And given the just very bizarre circumstances under which we've played magic over the last eight months. A few a few people would be interested for sure. Probably we we do a lot of things to serve ourselves, I think, in this industry. Like the three of us here would be into it. It would be interesting to explore. And those of us who like live for deck building are always all about these type of things. And I think it's one of the reasons why you're seeing things like the Mythic Society get a really still small but very, very passionate crowd. Like it is one of the most often discussed topics over in our Discord. We have a whole oh, yeah. channel dedicated to it. And people really, really love that tournament. But again, it's a very like niche product. The people who love it really love it though.
0: Okay, so what, what would be the goal of this hypothetically? Is it because it, it appeals to us as like players and deck builders, right? So we're interested, but are people actually going to watch this? Are, are they going to care about it? Are other people going to want to play in this?
1: I mean, that's why you, you put it in that like week or two before in the dead zone, like right before preview start when people sure. would normally be like, wait, why are we running a pro tour of last set's draft?"
0: As as someone who has played in a lot of those Pro Tour events, yes, I agree, <laughs> but my, my question still stands. Like, even during the dead week, are people going to be interested in this?
1: I don't know. Depends depends on how you, like, set it up and hype it up, but
0: right. I, I honestly Hopefully. don't know.
1: I, I, I've, like, mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter, and there's, like, I, I know at least five people interested, so.
0: Oh, well, all right. <laughs> But it, it is
2: really fascinating. Like, what if the format just works? If all of these pieces are present, like Veil vale of Summer is preventing Agent of Treachery from stealing my lands and Oko's in the mix too. What What does the format actually look like? And there's no way to know that because it's so far gone at this point. And, you know, this is why we don't see like the future, future League decklist anymore because nobody anticipated this format, not for a second.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like Oko into Fires Transmogrify My Elk into an Agent of Treachery Go.
2: Yeah, maybe it's that's that
1: nice. Yeah. That is nice.
0: All the hits. All right. Well, good folks of Twitter and our discord. Let us know. It, it's it's possible that I could put this together or it's, delegate it's someone else.
2: It's not possible. I could that delegate.
0: Not I can delegate. That's
2: slightly possible, but still unlikely.
0: <laughs> if there's enough interest, if there's more than five people. Also, quick, quick question. Do we have a question?
2: I have a plan for the question. Don't worry. We'll okay. get there when we get there.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I think I think we're at, at about that point. I mean, the, the only thing that I really want to talk about from here is like big picture standard stuff, but we kind of already covered it, which is sort of depressing because it's very small and minuscule. You know, it's like a team rec is still very good.
2: I have a couple of questions I can jam. Yeah, I have a couple of things I want to know your man's opinion on.
0: All right, Brian, take over. It's your the, show The first now. one
2: that comes to mind. Thank you. I appreciate it. I did my three years to get this moment. The first thing I want to know is what are the other cards you still think you have work to do on? Like, is there something you think has this latent potential that is just going to take time to draw out, but it still has your attention right now?
1: Sublime Epiphany is the big one. I think a lot of people are underestimating like, ah, oh, it's bad cryptic. That card does a lot. And I think it's going to take a little bit for people to how to figure out how to use it properly without either going too far or not far enough. But I think the play patterns of it with like solemn simulacrum or uh, nightpack Ambusher are especially punishing, and like there's Tamiya loops and everyone goes, yeah. oh, it's like ten mana. You're never. In- we played crusher tentacles in a format that had like rally, right? Like Meg- megamorph was a format, uh, a deck in that format. Crusher tentacles top eight of the SCG, so it's like that is still a thing on the table. Discontinuity. I don't know how to properly abuse that in standard, but there's definitely a lot you can do with it. Like there's song of creation. You can keep all the cards in your hand. You can use it basically as six mana time walk. Like these are like expensive blue spells. And then I still think the terror are yeah, terror
2: of the peaks. You're talking about eliminate the
1: five. I mean, eliminate just like a good card, but like, I think terror of the peaks has a home somewhere card is powerful.
2: You named both my picks. It's, it's the two blue cards, I think, are both dramatically uh, underexplored and underappreciated right now. And I'm starting to see people talk about discontinuity with Uro. I, that wouldn't be my main plan, but it's like it's nice to get something else out of your cards. And if you can just beat aggro by playing an early Uro, maybe that's good enough. I kind of doubt it, but. Yeah, these Emma are has starting... been championing
1: that in Historic, in the Nexus decks, because you just basically get to play eight Nexuses now.
2: Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I just think there's a the lot there. Combo. And the Tamiyo loops are going to be a big part of it as well, as you mentioned. Well, you can't with, loop uh, discontinuity. Right, but I, I think like if you build your deck in Contemplation of Tamiyo, putting a discontinuity into your graveyard means you're going to be able to find Tamiyo to get that back. Like It doesn't have the same... Nexus of fate flaw where you can't ever use a Tamiyo to get an extra turn is my point. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm into that card. I think that's really interesting. And then sublime epiphany just has, there's too many enters the battlefield abilities from creatures for this, not to do something kind of absurd. And you just have to piece out exactly what it is. I think.
1: Yeah. the Some of the role players that I've like looked at are the Llanowar visionary, the two and a green ETB draw card tap for green because like sure. it ramps to it, it's a decent thing to copy. I think the main thing that those decks need is a is a good defensive tool. Cause like I kept having like a a powerful looking lock and then just like not having enough blockers.
2: Okay, we'll have to piece that together. What are your thoughts on Teferi, Master of Time? I noticed looking through your deck list, almost no Teferi's. Uh, Jerry and I both very high on this card. Any thoughts after day one? Were we off base? Were you exploring this card, or did you just find it sitting somewhere in the middle?
1: Uh, I think it's a, it's a good card, but it doesn't lend itself to shells the way that I tend to build or, like, spider web through, where it's, like, it's just a good card okay. and it will just get slotted in places. I, I think it is very powerful, and people are underestimating how obnoxious it is to phase something out in the middle of combat. Yeah. Like, any... You. you can activate that any time. Literally any time. And the the draw discard has been very relevant for Oro, for Frantic Inventory for even just a couple of other things where it's just like you get the filtering but also like you're drawing like you play to if it resolves and you go to your opponent's turn you've you're already at minimum draw to discard two. Right. And that's a lot.
2: I think it is a lot and I think there's a lot of good synergies with things like Elspeth Conquers Death and you can use it to seed your graveyard a little bit or just getting it back with Elspeth Conquers Death obviously going to be a big play pattern as well. So I also think this card continues to be unexplored, like people are only starting to wrap their heads around it. And I actually was looking, I often check MTG stocks just to see what's happening in the card price world. It's Fairy master of time was like the biggest gainer on the day, gained almost 50% up to $65, which is incredible that anyone is paying $65 for a ostensibly standard only magic card right now. But that's what they tell me over on this website. So we'll see how that shakes out when the set actually releases.
1: I mean, commander, right? yeah. I, it's definitely I guess so. this there. is an
2: incredible, incredible commander card for sure. Yeah. If your pod's
1: big enough, you just like
2: play Teferi and the next time ultimate ult Teferi. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty appealing. Okay. So that is it for my questions, you know, man. But as you obviously know, as a devoted fan of the arena Decklist podcast, we do take a question from a listener every single week. Of course, we provide that listener with a beautiful arena deckless enamel pin, which you can only get by asking the question of the week. Have you ever received the enamel pin for asking the question of the week, Yo-Man?
1: Uh, I think I
0: did. Well, the, so the answer might be no, but I, I think the real question is, have you ever had your question picked?
2: <laughs> right. Does Jerry owe you a pin is what I should say.
0: I've definitely given him a pin. I know that, but that might yeah, have just ha- been because he's I have of
1: the, the pin. But I think I did. Like, I think I might have. Well, maybe my question was only picked before you guys had the pins.
2: Mm, that's possible. I think possible. that might
1: be the case. Well,
2: we'll, I, we'll stick with
1: that. We'll stick with that.
2: Yeah, yeah that works. Uh, I have a surprise for you. You you have another chance now, Yo-Man, because I have chosen you as the person who gets the ask, gets to ask the question of the week this week. Ooh, I like this. Yeah, and uh, so you got a question. You can point towards Jerry and I, and we will answer it for you live in the air. We have no clue what you're about to throw at us. And also, you had no clue I was going to do this to you. So I suppose you should take a moment, figure out exactly what your question is.
1: This is it. This is your one chance. I think I already I, I got it, because it was something I was going to mention before this. But
2: Beautiful. right now,
1: some of the, the limiters on the standard format are Ugin at the top end, Wilderness Reclamation Expansion Explosion at the top end, Ember and some of these really low to the ground aggro decks, the low end and to an extent somewhere in between there is cat oven. What do you think is a new limiter? And you're not allowed to use Ugin here on the standard format on either end. Like what, what is another test that your deck must pass in order to compete?
0: Like as of this set? Yeah. Well now, now we're going to need the moment. I believe.
2: Yeah. We're taking that moment back.
0: Cause you, you stole all the answers. <laughs>
1: So is this a trick question? No, I'm actually legitimately curious because I I think there are answers, but this is one of those where I'm picking your guys' brains to see what you think of the new format.
0: Well, in my mind, it, it was very much Ugin and new aggressive cards. And those aggressive cards are going to get fleshed out somewhere. There will be an aggressive deck. I'm not sure what exactly it will be, and it will likely change week to week, you know? Uh, so for you to think that there is something aside from like very aggressive deck to mid-range aggro to, you know, Bant mid-range to Team Erect to Ugin is kind of absurd because that's like all of the possible
2: pulls. I have similar thoughts. It, it, it feels like the, like I said, the power level has been pretty absurd as of late to just crack that out of the blue beyond Ugin is going to ask a lot from this set. And I'm not sure it's going to be up to the task. I think that's a good thing. But I, I just don't see a window for a card to have that type of impact on the format. If I had to take like, I'm going to take a real Dark Horse shot at this question. Because my real answer is I don't think there is anything that has that type of potential. I'm going to suggest a card that I don't even know if I believe in yet. <laughs> but if you put the pieces around it and it does actually matter, I could see it having a similar squeezing effect on the format. That is, I there's no chance I pronounced this name correctly. Joel rail one recluse. And I was talking about this card with some friends today and it has some hero of precinct one vibes to it. Now where it fails that test is that it doesn't, play in multiples because it's a legend and also you can't have those huge hero of precinct one turns where you just play like two or three spells in a turn because you're limited to just getting one cat per turn cycle you can get it on your turn and your opponent's turn but if you can set up an appropriate shell where you're triggering this reliably the advantage gained over a bunch of turns i think could serve as the base of a more mid-range-ish approach to something like Bant, where you don't have to go all the way up to the huge end games. And the real question is, can you close the door before Ugin comes online? Because obviously this card is just as vulnerable. With the second ability, the four colorless two green mana into line of turn creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is number of cards in your hand. Maybe you can. Maybe that is actually enough to just close the door on like that crucial turn six, or maybe you have to have one piece of disruption to throw off the Ugin for a turn, and then this can take over. So I don't really believe what I'm saying here. Like it feels like a stretch and it feels like a lot has to go right, but this is as close as I can get to an actual card that has the potential to limit the format in a new way.
1: Okay. I actually did like build a deck for that that I don't think is a good deck because you have to play so many shock lands to do it, but it's like a, you know, the Fiend Artisan cycling decks? Yeah. I basically put it in one of those. And I think Zenith sure. Flare is like maybe one of the cards I should have mentioned as like another limit. Like, I don't think it's as limiting currently. People kind of forgot about it, but.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, hard this. for that deck to change, right? It, it has one yeah. trick. And if that trick is good enough, that's that's fine. And it stopped being good enough at the end of last format. And theoretically, things should only get better. But Magic doesn't necessarily move in a straight line. Like, just because you add more cards doesn't mean it will always get more powerful in a fashion that. Closes out things that haven't improved. Like they can just become good by virtue of the metagame again. So it is possible that that could show up. But I've already been burned by cycling
1: multiple times in my articles because, like, I I sit there and, and cycling is not the only deck that does this. But you, you basically are oh, this deck's like it does this one thing linearly. If you can beat that, you beat the deck. And I'm like, all right. And I like go through play my my games, look at the data. I'm like, all right, this deck should not be good this week. And then everyone plays the deck that's weak to it. And it's like, all right, never mind, I'm just wrong. Yep.
0: So Rail to me looks like kind of a flash card and flash is not something that I would have put as like, again, like a new wrinkle in the format. Like there are, there are some new toys obviously, but not enough to fundamentally change things. And it's also just historically very weak to hyper aggressive decks. And I think those decks got a lot better. So hmm. Flash to me seems worse than just incorporating those elements into Bant or into Team Erec. So, you know, I like counter spells are there, they do exist, but I don't think that you can just do, you know, twelve counter and call it a day or whatever. I also think that Joel Rail's funny in that that they're just like not even trying to hide it anymore. That's just like, Oh yeah, green, green draws all the cards. That's <laughs> that's the thing that it does also.
1: It's <laughs> yep. so, like mask I, I is still- off. all right. I still mostly like Joel rail as a sideboard juke. I think the card is actually going to be very good in Team wreck, but maybe that's too spicy of a take.
0: Yeah. I would still rather have something like Legion war boss, which actually solves problems like the planeswalkers. That's fair.
2: I really want to have a better answer than, than this card, but I keep looking through the spoiler and I, I just can't come up with one. You said you had another one in mind, yo from the set.
1: Uh, the one I was considering was lofty denial. If we're actually allowed to play that card, because it's, like the only new counter spell that is cheap enough to consistently actually answer to fairy and other things. Okay. Where miscast, we did not get spell pierce. I'm upset.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I want to put my stock in lofty denial. I've tried to quench too many things to believe in this being a possibility, but there, there are some good curves with this card. And actually, I, I'm thinking back to a mono blue list I wrote about in my article this week. And I had fairy miscreant and spectral sailor and I was still playing Quench, I probably should have been playing Lofty Denial in those circumstances.
0: Yeah, but for Denial to be good, you don't need to go hard on Flyers either. Like, you can just play Brazen Bar or Shark Typhoon.
2: Right. Well, that's fair.
0: So, I don't know. I think I think that's reasonable. Maybe, maybe Flash does have enough new tools, because there's Rewind 2, which is a card I like a lot and think is actually quite good. So, maybe you just need to forget all the things that you thought you knew about Flash and just kind of rebuild it from the ground up.
1: Maybe rewind is one that I don't have a good reason for it yet, but my gut is telling me that it is a old school card that people are getting tricked by. That I don't think it's actually good the way we play Magic currently, but I could also be wrong on that.
0: Yeah, I kind of disagree with that. Like, I don't know. It, so in with with like new school Magic, right? It's like the upside of this card is so huge, and that seems to be more about uh, what matters in the games rather than like whether or not your card is fundamentally powerful or good. You know, if it, if it's free, it's Brian G that's, that's how the phrase goes. Right.
2: That's the fact. Yep.
0: And so a lot of the stuff that we talked about obviously has mystical dispute issues, right? Like all the expensive uh, blue cards and rewind to, to some degree. But uh, the the argument I always use is like, you get your own mystical dispute. So it's like not really that big of a deal, but Against aggro decks, you have the option of like countering a thing or playing a night pack ambusher, right. With like the old list, And now you can potentially do both things, which I think is awesome. And if your opponent doesn't have any interaction, you can like rewind into frilled mystic if they're double spelling, or if you have something else to do with the four mana, like I don't want to go to chemistry's insight because that card is mostly pretty heinous, but you know, if you have other things to do with your mana, uh, rewind is going to pay you. And I think that, creating those swing turns is going to be how you actually get ahead. Like I, I don't think you're going to be playing four rewinds or whatever, but just as like a two of or something, I think it has the potential to be very powerful. Maybe that's fair. Or if you're playing all your lofty denials and spectral sailors, boom, you get to draw a card.
2: You had me at draw a card, Gerald. It's not free, Brian. It's not free. The Rewind was free and that's what matters. Build your own Dismiss.
0: It's it's trying times, man. We know this. Adam, you want to sign us out? That's game.